Today's first day that Garrett's read scripture for us publicly. He did a great job this morning, and we appreciate so much the great job that he did this evening. We're very, very grateful for our young men who read scripture every week. Uh, we appreciate them and their willingness to do that. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, the passage that was read a moment ago. What I want to do is piggyback off of this morning's lesson a little bit. This morning we were talking about the greatness of God, the unequaled greatness of God. And we said that God knows everything. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He's ever-present. And He is omnipotent. That is, He's all-powerful. In our lesson today, tonight specifically, I want us to think a little bit about the presence of God in our lives. And what I want to do is encourage us to practice the presence of God in life. You know, there are a lot of things that we talk about, and sometimes we talk in theory, but what about practicality? Some may say, I hear what you're saying about the ever-present God, that he is always nearby. Can I really believe that? Well, the answer is yes. And so as we live in this earthly veil of existence and we think about some of the things that we face in life, it is comforting and assuring to know that whatever happens, the Lord is always by our side. And so I want to encourage us to practice the presence of God in life. I want to begin tonight as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. And very quickly, let me just say that Paul here is writing his second inspired letter to Timothy. Timothy, as you well know, was his son in the faith. And Paul and Timothy had developed a very close-knit relationship. Timothy is viewed by Paul as a young evangelist. And I have no doubt that Timothy did a lot of good during his lifetime, influencing many, many people. And so as Paul writes his second letter, the time is about A.D. 68. And Paul recognizes that, physically speaking, the end is near. And so, Paul, in chapter 4, brings to mind some difficulties that he faced, and then he emphasizes the presence of God. So I want to call attention first and foremost to verse 16 as we think about the failure of the saints in Paul's time of distress. In verse 16, Paul said, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. First, I think about his words of disappointment. Now, we're talking about the failure of the saints in Paul's time of distress. And Paul here expresses words of disappointment. Many have questioned the occasion that Paul is referencing here. As you well know, the Apostle Paul stood before numerous individuals. As a matter of fact, going back to Acts chapter 9, when God called a man by the name of Ananias to go to him and talk to him, you remember God said to Ananias, Go your way, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Paul had the opportunity to stand before a number of important dignitaries. And so in this context, Paul is talking about an occasion 
in which the saints, his Christian brothers and sisters, failed to stand with him. And so, two things stand out. They had forsaken him, and they had failed him. Have you ever had somebody tell you during a very difficult circumstance in life that they will be with you thick and thin, no matter what happens, only to find out as time passes that when push came to shove, they were nowhere to be found. Do you remember back in Mark chapter 14 when Jesus and the apostles partook of the Passover feast? And after they had partaken of that feast and sung a hymn, Jesus said, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. And then he quoted Zechariah the prophet, going all the way back to Zechariah chapter 13, where Zechariah said, prophesying of the apostles forsaking Christ, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. In chapter 14, if you read the Gospel of Mark, you find out after Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus, all of the disciples forsook him and fled. All alone. Jesus was all alone as he faced a terrible crowd during his time of judgment. Paul here is all alone. And as he says, my brethren have forsaken me. Now, you think about Paul in Rome. He had many brothers and sisters in Christ in Rome, didn't he? Go back and read the book of Romans. And yet, for whatever reason, possibly because of a fear for their lives, they failed to stand in his time of need. Sometimes people let us down. Other times we let people down. I remember years ago when I was just probably 20. I had gone to school with a buddy of mine. He was a year behind me. And when I was a senior in high school, I got a job at Coca-Cola. And I got a job on the loading dock building pallets to go on route trucks. And I had the opportunity to work there for about four years. Well, my buddy got a job there as well. And he came from what I would call a really good family. His parents had divorced. His biological father worked for the post office. His stepfather was a medical doctor. And This buddy of mine, like many young people, got mixed up in some things that he should not have gotten mixed up in. And I remember in August of one particular summer, he had gotten in trouble with the law, and they gave him two options. They said, you can either go to rehab or you can go to jail. And so he chose rehab. 
So he and I are on our way to work one afternoon, and we're riding in his car. And I remember looking at him and asking him a question. Are you going to leave those things alone, talking about drugs and alcohol? And he said, I hope so. I plan to. And I believe that when he said that to me, I believe in my heart of hearts that he was as honest as honest can be. And I tell you this story because I look back, I've thought about it so many, many times. That was in August. And he and I, we were good friends, and a number of us that worked at Coca-Cola, we were all buddies. And so we knew the struggles and trials that some folks had, and this particular fella, he had some troubles with alcohol and drugs. And in November of that year, he went home from work one Friday night. I knew he had some drugs. He went home and overdosed. 19 years old. I'll tell you that because for years and years, I have thought about our conversation. As a friend, I was for him, but I wasn't with him, if you know what I mean. I told somebody just the other day, and let me just preface this statement by making this observation. He died on a Friday evening. We had his funeral that following Monday. And I remember going to the funeral home, and they didn't have a funeral service at the funeral home, but rather they went to the gravesite. And it was a cold, damp, rainy, ugly day. And we're out under this tent, and all of his friends, we're there. And his biological father, I remember his father sat in a chair, and he cried like a baby. He was inconsolable. That has haunted me for years. I'll never forget it. And what stands out to me is I failed my buddy. I will, grow, I will go to my grave knowing that I wasn't there for him. I failed him. And so I would hope that if you have people that you love and care about and they need you, stand by them. I can't change history, but I have to live with this every day. And so you think back sometimes, could I have done more? And the answer is yes, I know I could have. But I was young, self-absorbed, in my own world. So you think about people that have been forsaken. Think about people that have been failed by family members and friends. Paul knew what it was like to be left all alone. But notice, if you would, the latter part of verse 16. His words of disappointment, but note, if you would, his wishful desire. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. 
May it not be charged against them. In other words, Paul's prayer to God was that he would not hold them accountable for not standing with him. Paul recognized that as a human being, sometimes we're weak, we're not what we ought to be. Many of us could vouch for that, that we think we're strong, and then when tough times come, maybe we're not so strong. So here's Paul, a very forgiving spirit, and desirous that the Lord would not hold it against them. Second thing I want you to see in our study. I want you to note the faithful Savior in Paul's time of distress. First, we think about the failure of the saints in Paul's time of distress. But now, the faithful Savior in Paul's time of distress. Listen to what he says in verse 17. But the Lord stood with me in contrast to all those who forsook him. He said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. First, I want to emphasize the fact that the Apostle Paul enjoyed the constant presence of the Lord. That is a great encouragement, isn't it? To know that despite the fact that many had forsaken him, as a matter of fact, he said, all have forsaken me, not so with the Lord. He said, the Lord stood with me. So I want to submit to you tonight that the Lord stood with the Apostle Paul and he will stand with you, come what may. I mentioned this morning, Hebrews chapter 13, where the writer said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Then he asked the question, what shall man do unto me? There are times when we need the assurance, we need the encouragement that God is going to be there with us, for us, and by us. Do you remember David in Psalm 56 when he talked about some of the difficulties that he was facing in life? And many, many years ago, David said, This I know, God is for me. Paul understood the Lord was with him, the Lord was for him, and the Lord was by him. And so, the constant presence of the Lord. Paul said not only did the Lord stand with him, but he said the Lord strengthened him. He said the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me. Now, let's just back up for a minute. Go back and look at all of the trials and difficulties, adverse circumstances that Paul faced throughout his ministry. Time and again, Paul punched around, facing horrendous circumstances, and yet his source of strength was the Lord, wasn't it? Do you remember when he wrote to the church at Philippi? And in writing to the saints, and that was six years prior to writing his second letter to Timothy. When he wrote to the church at Philippi, he was imprisoned, chained to a Roman guard. Over and over again, Paul talks about his joy 
in Christ. He encouraged those people to be joyful in their relationship to the Lord. But he said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, the Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord is standing by me. He's with me. His presence is here. But then down in verse 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There may be times in your life when you don't think you can make it another day. When you have been beaten down and pummeled time and again, when it seems like you're taking three steps forward, two steps backward, and you wonder how in the world am I going to make it from this week to next week, from this month to next month, and you know what? You make it, don't you? Why? Because like Paul, you know the Lord is standing with you. And not only did the Lord stand with Paul, but he strengthened Paul. Now, if he did it for him, will he do it for us? I think he will. Can't we lay claim to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. Paul enjoyed the constant presence of the Lord, but he also enjoyed the constant presence protection of the Lord. Listen now to what he says. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Many people have tried to determine was Paul talking about a literal lion here? Some have said and I think make a good case that Paul is using lion as a metaphor to talk about death. Wayne Jackson talks about that. Others would see in the reference here, Nero Caesar. And you remember what a tyrant Nero Caesar was. Matter of fact, you recall he set Rome ablaze and then he took Christians and lighted the streets with their bodies. Is it possible that Paul here is referencing the fact that potentially the Lord saved him from being thrown to the lions in the amphitheater? Possibly. I do know back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. I'll leave it to you to decide exactly what he meant there. When he said, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, but I know this. The Lord was able to deliver him from difficult circumstances time and time and time again, wasn't he? Go back and look at chapter 3 very quickly. In chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said, You've carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, at Lystra what persecutions I endured. Now listen to him. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Paul could say, look, man, I have faced some situations that you would not believe. Trials and tribulations, adversities, perils, unbelievable. But the Lord, the Lord is the source of my deliverance. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. 
We have talked about the failure of the saints in Paul's time of distress, the faithful Savior in Paul's time of distress, and now the future was secure in Paul's time of distress. Listen to him in verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. First, I want you to think about Paul's provision in the Lord. What was his provision? The Lord would care for him, wasn't it? Listen again to what he says. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work. What a provision. To know that he had placed his life in the hands of God. And come what may, guess what? All is well. Back in chapter 4, verse 6, Paul said, I'm already being offered. The time of my departure is at hand. When Paul said the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom, he's not thinking here that his life is going to be spared. As a matter of fact, he knows death is imminent. And yet this great apostle places his life in the hands of God in full recognition that the Lord will deliver him from every evil work. When it's all said and done and the smoke clears, hopefully and prayerfully, our lives have been placed in the hands of God. You know, Jesus said, the very hairs of your head are numbered. He said, a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without our Heavenly Father knowing about it. So every single affliction, difficulty, peril, trial that Paul faced in his life, he knew the Lord was side by side. He recognized that the Lord was with him, for him, by him, and that ultimately he would preserve him throughout all of eternity. Didn't Jesus say that we're not to fear him that's able to destroy the body but not the soul? In the book of Revelation in chapter 6, you read about those martyred saints underneath the altar crying out to God, How long, O Lord? There were a lot of folks in the first century that lost their lives for the cause of Christ. And Paul would lose his life. But as Paul said, For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To depart and be with Christ, he said, is far better. So Paul placed his life, entrusted his life, in the caring hands of God. Another passage that I mentioned this morning, and I'll mention it again tonight. And I would encourage you, if you don't have it marked or underlined in your Bible, I would encourage you to do so. Because in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter said, casting all your care on him. And the reason is, he said, for he cares for you. Paul recognized the Lord cared for him. And so, as I said a moment ago, Paul's provision in the Lord... The Lord would care for him. But then his preservation in the Lord. Paul said, The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul has long since left this world. Nearly 2,000 years ago, Paul suffered 
a martyr's death. Historians say that his head was severed from his body. Paul recognized that death, as I said a moment ago, was impending. It was imminent. And yet, the confidence, the confidence in this great man, knowing that ultimately he would win the victory. And so, the Lord would care for him, and the Lord would crown him. Listen to him in verse 7 of chapter 4. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. In light of that, he said, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know what Paul's saying there? He's saying that if you follow in my footsteps, no matter how severe the hardships may be, no matter how difficult the trials of life may be, there's a crown waiting on you, isn't there? Paul was a confident man. And I think about practicing the presence of God in our lives. You know, there are so many things that make us scratch our head. Question, what's, what's the world coming to? What's going on? Why so much unrest? Why all of the problems? And I mean, it's just incredible. Sometimes we become fearful and anxious and filled with worry. But to recognize that when it's all said and done, the Lord is right beside us. So I would encourage you as you go about your daily life to practice the presence of God. I would encourage you to take Psalm 139 and maybe write it in the margin of your Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 4. David could say, look, the Lord's with me. And Paul simply saying the same thing, the Lord is with me, and he'll be with you. So tonight, you might be having some struggles, setbacks. Maybe, you get, maybe you've got some serious problems in your life. Could I encourage you to turn it all over to the Lord? If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, look, wouldn't it be great to start a new life in Christ Jesus right now? You can do that. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Would you be willing to do what they did on Pentecost Day to repent of your sins? Would you be willing to be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away? You know, if you do that, you'll become a Christian. And God will put you in the church, which is his body. And the Lord has promised to save his body. Paul was a member of the body. Paul placed his hands in the Lord. Rather, placed his life in the hands of the Lord. You know, one day, when it's all said and done, we'll be with Paul, won't we? Because Paul was faithful. And if we're faithful, we have the crown of life. If you're here tonight and you're not living as you should and maybe you are overwhelmed with life and some of the things that you're dealing with maybe you need the prayers of the church for strength and encouragement we'd be happy to pray with you and for you you know the Bible says 
that we have the opportunity to pray for one another, don't we? We'd be happy to do that tonight. If you're here tonight and maybe you have lost your way spiritually and you need to come home, the Bible promises us that if we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you come as we stand and sing?